You're listening to Once, episode 305, Hyperion Heights. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show and its spinoff, Once Upon a Time, otherwise known <laughs> as The Seventh Season. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Aaron. And we're here again to discuss Once Upon a Time. And right off, I want to read a little bit of feedback that we received from a couple of our fans and fans of the TV show, and get your thoughts. So overall thoughts on where the show is going with this spinoff, also known as Season 7. Jessica said, I have mixed feelings about the Once Upon a Time reboot, also known as Season 7. My expectations... She wrote that. I didn't insert that, by the way. My expectations going into this episode were very low, so I was surprised there were some things I liked about it. I liked... (laughs) I liked the Cinderella twist, and I think her story has a lot of potential. Rumpel as a crooked cop and Hook as his straight-laced partner could be a great storyline. I don't know how I feel about the new Alice yet, but I did like the flashback scene with her and adult Henry. On the flip side, the episode seemed too similar to the pilot slash season one, and I found myself comparing every moment of it. It seems like the writers are trying to capitalize on the reboot slash remake trend in Hollywood, and unfortunately, it's way too soon for it. If this episode had come out with more space in between it and season one, come on, we've had like six years. (laughs) Or uh, series one, maybe. (laughs) yeah, Yeah, maybe I would have liked it more. With all that being said, Once is still one of my favorite shows and ever, and maybe that's causing me to judge it harsher. But I am optimistic for future and i will continue to watch thanks for the awesome podcast from jessica and she said what's up with those magic beans the portals never used to look like that oh <laughs> let me know let me know when you want uh, me to unleash on that well as a whole <laughs> yeah i think there is a lot of comparison between this the premiere of the spinoff also known as season seven and you gotta the, shorten that somehow <laughs> yeah <laughs> And the original season one of Once Upon a Time premiere, even like with the whole opening where it was like a bunch of fairy tale characters, something, something, something Uh cursed. And this is how it happened. They're even rebooting with that. Now they've tweaked it a little bit. I liked that aspect of it. I thought that was appropriate for what they're doing. But there are probably a lot of little things. The longer I think about it will sort of encapsulate how I feel currently about the reboot spinoff whatever uh starting with the title card the once upon a time title card Mm -hmm. did you notice anything about it besides the fact that there was seattle in the background and the fact that it sounded just a little off key oh i I often wonder that i i thought for a little while that like they changed the key every season but no really at at some point it did seem like they definitely changed the key but i hadn't really compared this was very different okay Huh. It was, yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but it was. And I didn't notice that. So similar enough that some people might think it was the same, but a little off, maybe. <laughs> or or intentionally different, but 
So not you're in a meaningful way. It's encompassing <laughs> the exact representation of the show enough that it seems kind of the same, but just a little bit off. Yeah, but I have a better one that we'll get to. <laughs> <laughs> We've already got great suggestions from the chat room on what to call this spinoff. Uh, Once upon a time in Hyperion Heights, or Once upon a time colon Hyperion Heights, or SOS spinoff slash seven, or it could be SOSS <laughs> spinoff slash season seven. It did feel like I was watching a different show. It did. Even to the point that whatever the reason, I had to keep going, oh, yeah, that's Henry. Oh, yeah, that's Henry. (laughs) Nothing was, I'm sure he's doing a great job, but nothing was evoking memories of Henry. Possibly partially because as important as Henry was to the first six seasons, he wasn't probably the character with the largest amount of screen time especially in his older years. He didn't have a lot of screen time and he changed the most because he was growing up. Right. I didn't like that they, I like Jared Gilmore. I think he's a good actor. I didn't particularly like that they had him come back for that opening scene Mm -hmm. because if he's done high school and thinking about college, he's already grown up and they could have just used this same actor who's playing new Henry. Um, And then maybe we wouldn't be making such a direct comparison. It was nice to see him, but I think that with the age they were trying to make him be, it was just unnecessary to have Jared Gilmore back. hmm. Well, I can see what you're saying there. Don't forget, this is not only older Henry, like by a few years. This is older Henry by how old is his daughter? Ten years or so? So this is Henry a couple years plus 10 years right. at least uh, because we don't know what kind of curse this is. This It just said something like years later that we saw right. him in <laughs> New learned. Enchanted Forest. So years later in New Enchanted Forest plus the 10 years or so of uh, Lucy. So I, I think this is maybe 15 years later that, in, sure. in, that we're seeing in Storybook 2.0. So before we go too far into the opening scene, how – what – sort of rating slash overall impression do you each have at the moment? Aaron? I think that the people who write the show and created it were faced with a decision last season <laughs> when almost all of the actors left the show, Whether and then plus ABC ordered another season, and they had to make a decision to make the show go on without six, was it six of the original cast? Well, some of them they didn't invite back. So. <laughs> okay. Um, and so I think I, I had no expectations for this episode. I was sharing that with Daniel before we started recording. I didn't really want to commit to the podcast because I really thought that I was going to hate it. And I didn't hate it. I actually liked it. And I think that with what they were faced with, they did a really good job at making it so that all of this is feasible Um, As far as alternate realities, they introduced that in the last two seasons of Once Upon a Time proper. (laughs) And um, I think that it would be really cool if they do bring familiar faces back um, to play the characters that we're seeing repeats of. But at the same time with what they've done, it's okay that they didn't. And now they can just kind of have a fresh start, even though they're... (laughs) You know, they're still the same, some of the same characters. I I mostly agree with that. And I shared a lot of my thoughts before this season started. 
in the my little monologue that I had before the spoilers in the last episode of the podcast. So you can go back and listen to the first several minutes if you want to hear that. What I think is neat is that here's an opportunity they have to bring in some of the characters that will love seeing. Like as soon as I saw Regina or as soon as I saw Hook or as soon as I saw Rumple, I, I got really excited. It was like every moment when I've gotten excited at seeing Cora before in the past. <laughs> So there was that, there's that magic of it. There's still some familiarity and it's a whole new story. No, no more trying to fit yet another time that the evil queen tried to kill Snow White and Prince Charming into some flashback in order to bring some parallel with the modern world. These can be completely different stories. However, <laughs> the first time I watched this episode, so I've only watched it twice and which will Same. probably be... What I'll be doing from now on is only getting to watch it twice for these, the way that we're doing the podcast now. Wow, really cutting back there, Daniel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so there probably won't be sound clips uh, unless you want to provide them. Now, that's the thing. You listening you want right me to now. Reenact them? <laughs> if you want to provide sound clips for us, feel free to record the sound clips. Uh, they need to be high quality recording. So just don't hold a recorder up to a TV and send us a cassette tape. That won't work. So if you have the means to record in high quality sound, like <laughs> looping back. Wondering what a cassette tape is, Daniel, and how one would record on one. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, it's a round thing that's shiny, I think. Uh, and they come in bigger versions. But anyway, and, and sometimes they're made with vinyl, magnetic vinyl. Uh, so oh, don't put it in the sun. It might distort. Nonetheless, uh, <laughs> after that, if you want to support us by sending us some sound clips, we would be very grateful for that. If there's something that you think, oh, that's a good sound clip. Of the clip, show. Yeah, of the show, then feel free to send it to us because otherwise we might not include any sound clips in the podcast just because of the time that we have, the schedule of the show, our schedules now and such. But anyway, let me get back to my point of what I think about the, the show. So the first time I watched it, I thought... Okay, besides the glaring discrepancy of how do we have another Cinderella? How do we have another Alice? How do we have another Prince and all of these? How do we have another all of these? Besides that glaring discrepancy, which I thought maybe they'll explain by some kind of split parallel universe that was created by some kind of magic potion or something like that. I thought it was a great season premiere. And I agree with many of the fans who also thought, oh, yeah, really good stuff. Some of it, yeah, maybe not so good, but it got me excited. For the show, even before seeing this, I was excited for the potential that was there, considering that it's a completely different universe, a whole new world. But <laughs> for the second viewing, yeah. then I caught a couple more details, which suddenly made me realize, oh, that major discrepancy was just explained in a super simple way that I don't like, <laughs> which means there isn't going to be some awesome reveal later on in the season for why there's this parallel for all of these stories. Oh, yeah. So that has me disappointed. But that aside, the premise of this. So if we if we put aside the original Once Upon a Time and look at this as its own. Which you have to. Kind of, yeah. So if we look at this as its own. With some crossover characters. I like it. I like the direction it's going. I like where they've put some of our familiar characters. The positions they're in, I think, okay. will be pretty cool. I mean, to see Regina as the bartender 
you know, the wise sage bartender. Yeah. Which <laughs> maybe she'll be, maybe she won't be. But uh, to see some of that's cool. To see them rehashing so many of the same story plots and story ideas from season one and some of the other seasons, that is a little disappointing. But we've seen them do that several times already. So it's not like yeah. it's a surprise. It can be artistic or it can be just retread. Yeah. Did you have something to add before we dig in deeper? I'm trying to decide on a numerical rating. Um, <laughs> you could go with stepsisters. You could go with <laughs> random glass slippers. <laughs> awkwardly glass-eyed trolls under a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a whole world in that eye. You could go with headless horses. Mm. Yep, but the number itself, I will say three <laughs> out of ten. Whoa. Uh, with a possible bump to four simply because of Lana Perea's monologue at the end. Wow. <laughs> Jeremy might very well be leaving the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually, let me say, is true because, I mean, everybody's schedule, the only person you can know will definitely be here every episode of probably every episode of the podcast will be me. Uh, everyone else on our team still can't quite totally commit to a schedule because everything is so different, not only our lives, but the schedule of the show and the schedule yep. of the podcast. So, so if Jeremy leaves, it's not necessarily going to be because of this really low Indeed. rating. But that could contribute to it, but maybe not. But uh, so just so you know, if our staffing changes, you might hear new voices, you might hear old voices, you might stop hearing certain voices. Uh, you might want to consult a doctor about all the voices that you're hearing in your head. I was going to say. In any case, stuff may be changing. Yeah. Still with the podcast. But the schedule will be the same. Monday nights, 7 p.m. Eastern over at oncepodcast.com slash live. So I do want to explain briefly my journey to this episode, which is in three important steps, I think. Ooh, three to four important steps. So, yes. <laughs> we a uh, short journey, actually. We, we all got the little previews that we had of this season in the finale of last season. Right. And my – I may have even explained some of it in our – previous episodes, but my headcanon, as they say, for what explained those scenes was so big and different. And it was something that I just really, really wanted to see. So I, in my head, and part, it's partially true, I guess, but I thought this is Henry. He grew up. He just decided to go live in the Enchanted Forest at some point. He had a family. And now it's another time of upheaval in the Enchanted Forest. I thought maybe they were fighting ogres again or they were fighting dragons or something chased him. And I don't know because I still I think the scenes of him running and giving the book to Lucy and all that stuff that we got in the finale was better than anything in the premiere. Hmm. Personally, I then started sort of over the summer stopped being spoiler free <laughs> largely uh, because i was following once abc on instagram and they don't know the meaning of the word spoiler free or the term and so i went ahead and i actually watched the sneak peek a few weeks ago which was essentially the first 3 minutes of this episode 
minus the intro wording. So I saw the scene with Regina and Henry. And so I've had some time to mull that a little bit. I will say they did even cut a line out of that before they aired it, which was about August teaching him to ride and (laughs) Regina being more worried about him being on the bike than leaving. But um, so here's the thing. Aside from the fact that magic beans have never looked that way before and that it actually looks identical to portals that they've been using in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, (laughs) most notably to movie watchers as Doctor Strange's portals. and I wondered where I'd seen yep. those portals. And also, Although I haven't seen that movie. Used it in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in a more reason. And I would... There was reason to feel that maybe the two were connected. But this was just sort of out of nowhere. And I was like, and on a motorcycle? Really? This is <laughs> trying to be Ghost Rider? What's going on here? <laughs> and speaking of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., shout out to our fellow podcast on Noodle Mix Network. Welcome to Level 7, who is podcasting about the Inhumans show that comes on right before or right after Once Upon a Time. Anyway, same night as Once Upon a Time. Right after. That's it, I think. Yeah. So yeah. go check out welcome to level 7com to uh, if you're interested in any of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yep, they do a good job. In fact, I really need to hear what they say about Inhumans. <laughs> uh, so I've had some time to sort of prepare for what this is going to be. And so my expectations were actually kind of low and still are. <laughs> but uh, so the original premise of Once Upon a Time and the thing that made it sort of magical was the idea exactly the way the episode opened that these characters that we've all thought we've known are real and they ended up in our world and here's how it happened. And so, you know, through the years we've thought, well, I guess we have stories about them through some sort of magic, but of course there are different versions because those stories have been retold sometimes just verbally throughout like around the world. They've been passed from one culture to the next, and yeah, they change a little bit like telephone game, but it's still about these real people, turns out. That was the premise of the show, and now we're supposed to believe, I suppose, that every time the same character's been talked about by a different culture in a different language, in a different version, that's somehow a new story. So what we've shifted from is stories in our world that were born out of real a real place and real people from that place to as they started saying in the finale how did they put it the realms of story oh i don't remember now and it it just it all feels so much more it's not that it's more make-believe it's harder to suspend my disbelief for the new premise And Mm. it sort of cheapens the original premise for me. And I'm kind of getting this off my chest now because obviously this is where we are. So I don't want to talk about it every week about how the whole show doesn't make sense because premise, this is the premise. But I'm just conscientiously objecting to the premise change (laughs) because it's not a thing where some – and maybe they're shifting that way. But the author even was supposed to be someone who records, not creates. But they're almost making it like, oh, yeah, if there's a book about it, it's a whole nother world, even if it's kind of got the same characters, which is strange. And as big a world as they have to draw on, even if they're going for all stories, why retread the same characters that they've already done and the same stories, even though I think they've done a better job with the whole Cinderella thing this time? Hmm. It's still the same series, and we're talking about doing the same story again. 
on the same characters. And it's it's strange to me. A little bit like Once Upon a Time, the Latina edition. <laughs> Which, wow. I mean, I say with respect because it's really cool. And I think a lot of people will appreciate this, that this time they are bringing in people of different skin colors and ethnic backgrounds to play major, recurring, important, good guy roles. Which yeah. I think is cool that they're they're getting a little more diverse in that sense. Which, uh, I, I mean, for that whole argument, I still present Lana Perea. But, yeah. <laughs> yes, I see the point. And I, you know, it would have been great if they'd started here. If this had always been Cinderella and her... Mm stepsister and her stepmother or you know what could have been cool i mean and we could have suggested this if only they had hashtag hire the nerd (laughs) that's probably gonna be the one and only sound clip you'll hear this whole episode but if uh, if they'd hired the nerd or hired me or hired someone what i would have thought of as a way to have these same characters and first of all i would have said no don't use the same characters do something different But what I might have suggested is what if some villain who casts your curse again, since you always have this obsession with curses that (laughs) that bind people to towns and town lines and bad things happen if you try to leave and all of that stuff. So you still have that villain who casts that curse. But in the process of casting that curse or some villain casting a curse or something, somehow Dr. Jekyll's special personality splitting potion and science gets mixed in with it, causing a personality split alternate reality of most of the characters we know. I mean, because when you look at the characters so far that we've met, aside from the evil stepmother, the characters are kind of morally flipped. Alice is now seemingly a bad girl. And Cinderella is seemingly a bad girl and eh. seemingly ish. Yeah, ish. I know. <laughs> I mean, I was definitely having flashbacks to Ashley with the shotgun when the new Cinderella is running after a prince with a knife. Yeah, that's right. Cinderella <laughs> with the shotgun. I, I sometimes forget certain things like that, <laughs> even though that was the one and only episode of season six that had commentary to it. <laughs> So I did watch that one. <laughs> not that you're bitter. Yeah. <laughs> not at all bitter. So you saw that one six times. And, and, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention since you mentioned bitterness is <laughs> the reason we're critical. Yeah. And, and I know most of the fans, like when we tweeted out and asked everyone what you thought and also in the chat room, I'm seeing most of the people are generally positive about this. Yes, we're going to have critiques. And the reason we have critiques, like Jessica said, is... Because we like the show so much. And Aaron said this before on the podcast as well. Because we like the show, that's why we criticize things. That's why we have such great hopes because we like it so much. If we didn't like the show or weren't as connected and deep into the show, we probably wouldn't have as many criticisms. I do not watch it only because I do the podcast. I mean, (laughs) it's it's right now it's and maybe for a while it's felt like a comfortable den in your house maybe that's just very comfortable but you look around every time you're in it and you're like we need to do some work but i mean i'm still sitting in it (laughs) yeah and i wish that dog would stop shedding this is great because i'm describing a room that does not exist in my life but you get the idea 
DeAndre <laughs> sent this feedback about the episode, overall feedback, saying the premiere was a lot better than anticipated. A lot of people apparently had very low expectations. <laughs> I certainly did. Yeah. Uh, so uh, DeAndre said, the one thing that caused me to give the side eye is when we first met Lady Tremaine and Drizella. How in the world did she capture a fairy godmother? How did a human capture a magical creature? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm kind, of wondering, I'm kind of wondering if... if uh, Lady Tremaine, or the evil stepmother, is maybe a witch of some sort. But anyway, maybe they're trying to explain how resourceful she can be. But it just didn't make sense how this fairy, one of the most powerful beings in this universe, is supposed to be so weak and docile next to a human only because they're the villain. Yeah. All in all, good premiere, especially like the end where Cinderella leaves a sign for Henry where he tells her to meet him if she wants to go back to his realm. Her glass sip lipper. Basically telling the prince, Henry, to come find her. Nice angle once. Yeah, but I felt like she had to have had at least like three to five of those slippers. I didn't really understand what was going on. They were just kind of everywhere. They're just her business cards. She gets them, you know, printed at vistaprint.com. And wasn't the carriage, wow, wasn't the carriage crashed right where the portal opened? Yes. He, why didn't, okay, if that's where he was headed, why didn't he slow down before he got there? And if he, especially if he was trying to get there by nightfall. He might have been doing some other kind of errand and needed to do that quickly so that he could make it back to this area. Mm, interesting. Anyway, I, so it felt overall, it sounds harsh, but I can't come up with another word other than lazy. Hmm. Just to have the first flashback be introduced with a new, another realm. Or a new realm or whatever, like whatever they said many years ago, like you new have a realm. chance to start over with the timeline and get it right. In not our forums, they're calling it the new enchanted forest. If it's that, it might not be that. They might not call it that. But um, yeah, I, a lot of the dialogue was just very weak. I didn't feel like the story flowed very well, especially on rewatching. I felt like there was forced momentum. I kept finding myself in the middle of scenes that were, I, I, it didn't, nothing really pulled at my emotions. It was like I didn't care about anything that was happening very much. Hmm. Just because they didn't earn it. Not like the pilot. Thing, suddenly it's like, and I don't think that it's the actor's fault. Because as we keep seeing with this show at various times, there are actors that we've seen in other things. And they don't feel out of place. Like, oh, who's that? bad actor it seems to be more the dialogue and maybe some other aspects of production i don't know what the deal is but it's it was just certain things just struck me as very strange and i thought the dialogue was pretty good really yeah but it didn't nothing the the only moment that i i mean alice was the only one who really got a zinger that i thought was clever (laughs) and lady tremaine a couple of times (laughs) but but otherwise, sometimes it didn't even, the words to me didn't even make sense in the order that they were spoken. Huh. Just, I don't know. I think, I think too, that if we're wanting to treat this as a new show or a new, you know, chapter of, of a show that we love, they need to make it a new show. Like it was, the pilot was very similar to the pilot, like at least the present day stuff. Yeah. And I think I was hoping that at the end, at least, there would be some big change, like even if the curse broke right away and then they could go and like make it a totally new show. Like if they're going to just repeat season one 
2.0 style, that's not going to be entertaining for us. Like we already lived that. We already watched that. We've already podcasted about that. Like they need to make something different. And I know they did that in the flashbacks as far as the Cinderella stuff, but not really because all they're doing is telling a love story like the same way they always have. Well, but but not the same way they always have because I didn't get it. I didn't understand. I was like, what's happening? I mean, yeah, you guys are giving each other gooey-eyed looks, but I don't know why. There was no, there was nothing that evoked it. There was no situation. There was no real clever banter. I mean, the motorcycle thing, I guess. It felt rushed. And I, I actually had to go back and look at the pilot. I was like, when they said, here's how it happened in the pilot... That was the story of how it yeah, happened. True. They See, they did everything in the pilot so much the way that I expect shows to be. They cut pieces out in a way that made sense. You got the idea from the bit of dialogue that you had. They made big time jumps. You saw everything from waking Snow up through the wedding mm-hmm. Through the casting of the curse. It literally was how it happened. It was a big story, and they did it in 42 minutes. Mm. And here, we still, they're doing kind of more what they've done on the recasts of the curse, I say with an eye roll. So in this case, like with season one, it was like, here's how this happened, back cover of the book that gives you the overview of everything. Whereas here in the spinoff, it's here's how it happened, chapter one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, and I had to ask myself, what's happening here that I care about? And what questions do I have that make me want to watch next week? Um, Alice. I'm not totally (laughs) sure. Yeah, Alice, I guess. I'm not sure what happened in this episode entirely. I know a lot of people said a lot of things, but it was very well established that everything that was happening was based on fake memories. And at some point, it's all going to be meaningless. Unless they're going to pull a, we are both, or we're all three, or whatever. Because Ronnie's not real. She doesn't care about a bar. The, you know, police. That Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, presumably at some point the curse goes away and people are like, oh yeah, we don't live here. What community are we fighting for? That's strange. Matthew Paul has said this before and he put it in the chat room. He thinks it'll be a lot like Star Wars The Force Awakens. It'll echo a lot of the original. I don't really want to see that, but if they do it properly, I guess it will be okay. It, like, what I'm hoping is that it will start out similar and then take some kind of big shift. Well, see, that's my fear too, is that the, the twists that are left are, are potentials for it to be even stranger than we know. Like maybe this is actually Rhonda and not Regina. Maybe these are people, and I have I have a, a whole hypothesis based around one thing Alice said. Um, should we talk about Alice? We'll, we'll, we'll get to Alice okay. in a moment. So that was our introduction. <laughs> I, was say, I feel like we're on an introduction still, so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah, so now let's actually discuss what happened in the episode. Our introduction might have been longer than their introduction to the season. <laughs> our introduction was longer than our old initial reactions were. But before we get too far, I want to thank Creation Entertainment for sponsoring this episode of our podcast. They are the hosts of the official Once Upon a Time convention. So if you're feeling like, oh man, I miss seeing people like 
Emma Swan, Rebecca Mater, Lee Ehrenberg, Karen David. <laughs> I miss seeing Granny. I miss seeing uh, Jiminy Cricket. I miss me seeing Smee. I miss me and Smee. I miss I, me. I, I miss me. And, and I miss all of these characters. Well, guess what? You can meet them in person. So coming up on October 20th and 20 through the 22nd in Whippany, New Jersey, is Creation Ooh. Entertainment's Once Upon a Time official convention. They do ha- have this across the country at different times. The next one is coming up on October 20th through the 22nd in New Jersey. And you can go to creationent.com to learn more and get your tickets over there. So here's whom they will have at the event in Whippany, New Jersey. And their hashtag for that is O-U-A-T. NJ, so once upon a time, New Jersey. So at, at the Whippany one, which I just love saying, Whippany, Whippany, they'll have Lana Priya, Regina, Jennifer Morrison, Emma Swan, Rebecca Mater, Zelina, uh, Wicked Witch, Colin O'Donohue, Captain Killian Hook Jones, Lee Ehrenberg, <laughs> who plays Lee Ryan Grumpy, Karen David, who is Jasmine, Gil McKinney, who is Prince Eric, Beverly Elliott, who was Granny, Chris Gothier, who was Smee, Michael Coleman, who was Happy, and Raphael Sabarge, who was Jiminy Cricket, and Dr. Archie Hopper. Here's your chance to actually have an appointment with Dr. (laughs) Hopper. Uh, He'll be signing autographs, taking photo ops with fans. So a bunch of these will be on stage sharing things, answering questions. Some of them will be available for photographs. Some of them available for signatures. Some of them can even sing with you. Yeah, there can be all kinds of fun to be had at the Once Upon a Time official convention. So you've got to make it over there. We are planning to go to the Chicago event in 2017 because that's more uh, uh, that works better for our schedules and and travel distance and everything. But uh, we would love to hear from you if you make it to any of the Once Upon a Time official conventions or you've made it in the past. Please send us your feedback and get your ticket. For the one in Whippany, New Jersey, or any of the others that are coming up, go to creationent.com to register, learn more about the conventions, find out everything that's available at the convention, all the fun that you can have. That's at creationent.com. And thank you, Creation Entertainment, for sponsoring this episode. So now... That sounds amazing. It it will be. (laughs) (laughs) Joycey. Back... To Once Upon a Time. That's what Aaron got out of it. <laughs> I've met some of them before. It's fine. Oh, well, okay. You're, you're good friends with them. You sang together. <laughs> okay, let's not go overboard. <laughs> I want to talk about this new journey for Henry. And I know we'll probably end up, we've talked about everything we're about to talk about in little detail. Now let's dig in in more detail. Um, So the thing that I mentioned that I missed the first time watching this that now explains why there's this split universe was in that little scene at the beginning with Henry and Regina as he was leaving on the motorcycle. He said that in those storybooks, apparently it wasn't a whole bunch of other stories. It was the same story told a whole bunch of different ways, like a French Snow White and an Italian Snow White. Yeah. I've already said my piece on the whole multiple versions of the same story thing. Yeah. And fictional London was the gateway drug. You guys, (laughs) it was all downhill from there. (laughs) So here's the thing. And Jeremy, you said this earlier and I had not thought of this at all. And then it coincided with a book I'm reading. And so now I have been thinking about it. That's very true. 
there are like if you like Wikipedia Snow White or any any of the fairy tales or even some of the like uh like traditional poems that uh kind of like nursery rhymes and stuff like that that kind of coincide with fairy tales there are so many different versions and they talk about the history of them and how they've evolved. Like I'm reading a book right now called women who run with the wolves. That's all about female archetypes and how they've changed in this within the stories that have been told, you know, like the, you know, awesome woman has become a witch now and like just how that has happened. And they could actually potentially play with that in this new, new, what are we calling it? In this new season. (laughs) And that's something I hadn't thought about, but it's like, it is true what Henry said. There is an Italian version of Snow White Mm -hmm. and there is a French version. I don't know how different they are from the one that we know or if they even are, but that is something that they could play with in actually a cool way, especially considering that for our podcast, we'd look into things like that, um, which are we did in the past. (laughs) They could now, Um, but it just makes me sad that it's not just... Wow, the story of Snow White became so well known that it was retold in this country and that country and that one. And they all thought of it a little bit different way. But here's the truth. Just like if Bollywood makes a movie about Napoleon, it doesn't mean that there was an Indian Napoleon. It's still about the same thing that happened in history and about the same person just made by people in a different culture. Yes. <laughs> that that could be what creates realms in in this imaginary world that we're discussing. Yep. I think in Fantasia and the Neverending Story, it was Bastian's imagination that helped to create the end of that tale. Not the world. The world was just the world of imagination, I think. It's been a while since I've watched that, but if that could be what is creating all these other realms. And yes, I do agree. Fictional London was the gateway. Job. <laughs> it was like they messed with all kinds of other time periods up until that point. And then they're like, ah, we'll just, we'll set it in the time period we want, but we don't want to use time travel. So that was the first splinter in my mind. <laughs> they, up to that point, it was like, if something, if a time period or a location didn't make sense, they just rammed them all together in the Enchanted Forest. And that worked really well. And they did it later, too, like with um, with the Brave tie-in sorts of things. Yeah. Or connecting Arendelle to the Enchanted Forest, sort of, at least making it travelable. <laughs> but there, there is a lot, uh, there's a lot of story yet to be discovered because realize between what we saw in the flashbacks and where we are now is a lot of years. Yeah. I mean, he had a kid in those years and Mm -hmm. the kid grew up. The kid can talk. My kid can't talk yet. And it's been short. And, but, (laughs) and there's all kinds of things to explain also. Like, where is Emma? It, It seems like something happened to Emma that she's probably dead. I don't see why. Excuse me? Well, right. You may not see why she's dead, but no. the, the, I think there are plenty of indicators that she's dead. No. Like, like Henry carries her little swan jewelry. He was going to visit a graveyard with a bunch of flowers. Yeah, for his wife and child that didn't exist. Oh, yeah, that's true, because he was taking yeah. her lucky flowers. So, okay, I was thinking maybe he was going to visit... 
oh. Emma's grave. No. But then you look at like Hook's expression when he was looking at the book and Emma's photo, and it looked like he missed someone whom he lost. I'd probably I mean, have a much stranger look on my face if I saw a picture of a woman in a book and I was like, I'm pretty sure that she's the love of my life and we're married. But well, I don't even know her name. It's very strange. Really yeah, weird we'll, feeling. We'll, we'll get to him in a little bit more in a minute. One of the things I thought was funny about this episode, and I wonder how much they'll continue this. So all of this is happening in Seattle. And they're often, in this episode at least, they were talking about, it's a sign. It's a sign. That'll be a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. No, everybody's talking about signs in this episode. And they're in Seattle. Yeah. Throwback to the 90s. Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan movie, Sleepless in Seattle, was all full of the little boy saying, it's a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. Funny. And here they are in Seattle, and they're talking about signs. Here's a theory that I just thought of about why Emma's not dead. (laughs) I think that Regina, Hook, and Rumpel were obviously in whatever realm Henry and Cinderella were in when that curse hit. That's why they're in this new place. And perhaps they were just looking for Henry because they knew something was wrong. And perhaps Hook went instead of Emma because... I don't know. I was going to say Emma's pregnant, but this is like 15 years later, so maybe not. Well, it could be but her 15th child. It could be. And <laughs> six. she's, you know, Henry. also like pushing 50. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but maybe they went on a mission, those three, which would make sense. They're all very, you know, tied to Henry in some way or another. And that that's why they got cursed with them they're gonna have to explain that right oh yeah yeah like maybe season nine (laughs) or maybe they're all different versions of themselves no they are not i will tell you where i'm getting that no (laughs) you don't want to (laughs) know that's where you draw the line (laughs) (laughs) yes i do draw the line on alternate reginas and hooks we've already got them they already exist we already know of at least one of each Actually, that's true. Well, they were fake, though, in a dream world, except for the one that... Rhonda did not come from a dream world. She literally came from Regina herself. Well, yeah, but... So So that's different than an alternate version. Yeah. All right. And then there was uh, Robin Hood. I think that underlines how stupid it is. (laughs) (laughs) If some other woman just bursts onto the scene... Whether she's calling herself the evil queen or she's calling herself Regina Mills, you'd be like, what are you even on? You're like, you look nothing like her. You're not Regina. Stop talking. But we're doing that with Alice. and Well, maybe we're doing that with Alice. They may just be pretending the other Alice doesn't exist and this is the only one. But that remains to be seen or not seen. But we know they're doing that with Cinderella. Well, And there's this book. That he wrote, which is apparently the stories of everyone else. And that we know that book ended when Once Upon a Time ended before they gave us the spinoff. Yeah. Because we saw Lucy reading it in the last words of that book, like I predicted for years, was, and they lived happily ever after. But apparently in this episode, Lucy referred to the book that Henry wrote. And in the last chapter of that book he wrote is when he meets Cinderella. So his book 
that or his knowledge of what actually happens doesn't seem to last for very long. What do you mean? Unless it's just he retired as a writer and maybe maybe he passed on the writer title to someone else. But what I mean is if he meets Cinderella in the last chapter. Yes. But several years have happened since then. He had a daughter. He had life with that daughter and some great upheaval happened and they had to flee and he gave her the storybook and said, you know, this I'm referring to the stuff that happened at the end of Once Upon a Time. Before we got the spinoff, otherwise known as season seven. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> so there's all of that other stuff that apparently he didn't write down. Maybe he's no longer the author. Uh, or maybe it was written in the same writer's room as several years later. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows how long a chapter. I believe I could hear that answer coming out of their mouths. Who knows how long a chapter is in one of Henry's books. But maybe that was just the epilogue <laughs> and it actually ended where season six ended. And then the epilogue was like the teaser for the next book. And then uh-huh. they got cursed Yeah, 10 uh, years later. <laughs> or maybe it's like Lucy said, you're waiting for the perfect first sentence, but no story is perfect. You just need to start. I can't believe he has a book called Once Upon a Time and he couldn't get that as his first sentence out of his head. <laughs> yeah. And his first sentence <laughs> I have a new inspiration. You saw it on his face. He's like, inspiration. And then he writes it down. Once upon a time. Brilliant guy. You've got an Emmy Award winner there, a Pulitzer (laughs) Award winner there. Great opening line. I'm still trying to figure. See, okay. And this is where we get to some of the other pieces that bugged me. The questions I have aren't the right questions. Like. I understand there's nothing mysterious about the book. I guess her book in everybody's minds was written by Henry Mills. Yeah. Yeah. So doesn't that mean there should be many copies and it's published and everybody knows it? And well, that's yeah. Is that another case where it's like the author makes a change and everybody really gets trapped in a book, but actually he also changed the (laughs) real world too somehow sort of, and suddenly he was a famous author how many people know Henry as an author? How far does that fake knowledge go? Or was he just not a very well-known author? So only people weirdly in Hyperion Heights know who he is or, and where did he live? Why did he live outside of it? I guess most people went there, but not everybody, which gives them some latitude to travel. Probably. He's probably this spinoffs savior. And so when, the evil stepmother, Lady Tremaine, whatever her her new enchanted forest name is, when Victoria decided to curse everyone, she probably decided, I want him to be extra far away. There's no <laughs> no little sending him through the wardrobe on this one. I'll curse him to Seattle, just down the street. Curse him to Seattle. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess he was kind of downtown Seattle, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Like some of those little details just seem so muddy to me that I'm still thinking about them because I don't quite. It's like, why was that a necessary detail even that he published the book and now believes that they're all stories? Why does he have his memories at all? So, I mean, that way, I guess he doesn't have to get the book and read the book. And it makes sense to him. It makes sense of why this girl would would come see him because with Emma, 
she knew she had a son. She just didn't believe at first that he had actually found her. He doesn't remember having a daughter that's alive at all. So I guess that's supposed to maybe explain to him why this girl would come find him because he's an author and she read his book and she believes it's real. But none of that felt really clear as to if that's what where their mindset was supposed to be or something. I thought he let her in way too easily, but he wasn't she wasn't quite as bargy as Henry. <laughs> it was all it was all very strange to me. They did leave out the savior now that you mention it. Like in the pilot, I I think, if I'm remembering that far back correctly, Henry knew that Emma was the savior. That's why he came to find her. Like he said, you're going to bring back the happy endings. And Rumpel even told Snow and Charming that their baby in the flashbacks, that their baby was going to be the savior. I think, I think they even used that word. But yeah. this this new curse has no talk of a savior. Well, we don't know anything about the new curse yet because they didn't really give us how it happened. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, and Lucy's main thing was your family needs you. You need to right. come back to your family. And you look at who is in Hyperion Heights that we already know, and it is Henry's family. His mother, mm-hmm. his stepfather, is that what it yeah. would be to him? And then yeah. his grandfather. Father, step grand, however, Rumple is related. Actual to him, grandfather, <laughs> his wife, his daughter. It's his family, so yeah. everything is connected around. He needs to save his family, so it kind of makes me wonder. With the exception of Alice, whom we will get to in a little bit, talking about her, but with the exception of her and then the the stepsisters, stepmother, I wonder if all of the other characters are not even fairy tale characters. That only the people who were cursed are Henry's family. And this is all about some kind of vendetta that Lady Tremaine has against Henry's family and Henry meddling in her affairs since she apparently had some vendetta against the prince. It will probably be a little bit muddy, just like the original curse became, you know, going from (laughs) essentially everyone in the realm to the point that we all wondered if the Enchanted Forest even still existed, and so yeah. did they. Mm. To, ah, you know, I mean, then there was like a bubble and some people were protected. And it was like, well, I mean, it was like Regina picked who to who to bring. Like, okay, whatever. It'll probably be kind of like that. I think that the neighborhood will be full of people who are from wherever, since we don't know where anybody's from anymore. And they're being slowly replaced because Belfry is having people move in and, and sending other people out and it's ah, scattering true. them somehow. True. Which that's the biggest piece of mechanics of the new curse we really got. Except for how they couldn't leave. Yeah, well. So how how is she sending people in out? In my mind escaping to an island that's technically probably part of the city is not the brightest plan. And it, it could be like the old movie uh, where the guy was on the TV, on a reality TV show. I've forgotten the name of the movie. Uh, it's the guy's name. Truman Show. Yes, The Truman Show. It's maybe like that where, yeah, the the curse does extend to there, but we have to go through some complicated ordeal to ensure that no one actually gets to the edge of the curse and discovers that there is indeed an edge. Well, what I don't understand is if 
Belfry is getting people to leave, then why can't they leave? I guess certain people can't leave. It it could be some weird thing that she she's raising some kind of army here in Hyperion Heights. Mm, I, I don't know. That sounds really ambitious. <laughs> well, a lot of the answers will be in the new realm from years <laughs> later or years ago. And, and that's where I want to move then on to discussing. So we've got a new Cinderella, new other things. And, but one of the big things that stood out to me from the flashbacks in this, the new realm is every once upon a time series opening needs a great sword fight. We got it at the very <laughs> beginning of once upon a time with uh, David holding baby Emma and having that awesome sword fight while carrying the baby. And here in the opening uh, and the new first episode of the spinoff, we got a cool sword fight with some clever techniques. I mean, who would have ever thought to slide belly first on the floor and with a sword? I would. <laughs> but it, it was a pretty cool sword fight. Like <laughs> Henry's sword fighting technique. Very interesting. Like he would often flip the sword around and hold it like upside down. And fight that way, which just some of that stuff was cool, some cool cinematography. Yeah. So I thought it was a neat sword fight. It it was. It just, I think that I was too distracted by the things leading up to it yeah. that were not <laughs> making sense. Like, it felt, it, I swear that they, the soundtrack sounded like they were surrounded by dancing people until the moment she pulled the knife out. And then suddenly it was dead silent. And I only noticed that on the rewatch because I remember when he did get stabbed, I was like, how do you stab a prince in front of a room full of people and nobody is attacking you? And then I realized there's nobody around them. Where'd they all go? How did they end up separate? Like there was something weird about the even just the sound engineering on that scene to me. Or there was nothing to tell me that they weren't surrounded by people. I don't know. It was so odd. And it was... There was no ugh, I didn't it's like that stuff scene. we're not supposed to think about, just like we're not supposed to think about where Henry got gasoline for his headless motorcycle or oh, his yeah. headless horse. Like, I don't know. She she pulls out the knife. She's about to stab him. She stops in a way that made me think magic was stopping her. Yeah, I thought that but too. But then just goes, I can't. And then he just goes, thank you. What? <laughs> and then he's stabbed anyway. And... But um, Lady Tremaine's performance kind of saved that scene a little bit because... Oh, I thought her, her performance there was horrible. The delivery horrible. of her... Really? You and I are so opposite. That's funny. On this. And Aaron's kind of right in the middle. <laughs> I think it's because evil snark is maybe not easy to do, but it, it can be done with some ease, maybe. Mm. But I, I mean, she I thought it was funny-ish. <laughs> I, the, the whole scene was really... It was very stark in a way that was almost uncomfortable. It was almost, I don't know, the stabbing was effective. I was like, what the heck just happened? Hmm. But I don't know. It's a little, it was a little tone deaf. The whole thing was just very odd. I just wanted Cinderella to finish her story about how he killed her father. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll learn that. I'm sure we will. And then I was trying to see the symbol on the back of his shirt, which is probably why I wasn't paying attention to the music, because it looked like it was like this three-pointed Celtic symbol that I feel like we've seen before in a castle, but hmm. I couldn't, they didn't zoom out far enough. I only saw the top of it, the like little stitching. 
Well, speaking of the music, it is the same Cinderella music as from yes. the original Once Upon a Time. So they're recycling that, too. I wouldn't be surprised if they recycle some of the emblems as well. I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they used that music on purpose. <laughs> They also recycled a horse name because Cinderella's <laughs> horse was not named Philippe. That was Belle's horse in their Disney tales. And her horse was actually a, a rat, if I recall, that her fairy godmother made into a horse and carriage. That's true. Or wait, did she even have a horse? Didn't she just have a magical carriage? She had, yeah, she had horses. Okay. <laughs> and footmen. Footman is, I think that's what I'm thinking. The footman was a mouse for sure. But this is such a completely different version. This is like the uh, Kakakakistan version of I'm Cinderella. Sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh, what just happened? <laughs> but then, so why even use the name Philippe? Like, that uh, is the name of a Disney horse. It's just not Cinderella's. The little part inside of me that hasn't given up hope entirely it <laughs> thinks that this might actually be somehow a friendship with Belle or her village, except that they're so removed. They should be different worlds, and we don't need another Belle. And <laughs> see the problem? Yeah. I want to I wanna think, oh, it's just because at some point in the past, she met Belle, and Belle gave her her horse. Maybe. But how is that possible? Because... You can't just have multiple Cinderellas in one world, and this is a different realm with castles that look very similar. And what <laughs> happens if they touch hands? Because there can only be one. There can um, be only one. They explode into a bunch of book pages that just flutter down to the ground. Ooh, nice effect. Remember, magic can be taken, but fear lasts forever. I mean, unless somebody captures you. And you used to be something that created fear, but now you're weak and helpless. So you're saying the fairy godmother was something that created fear? No, but I just in that moment, I thought, well, what if she was like, what if what if people were afraid of the fairy godmother? But there she is with her wings clipped about to die, not casting much fear now. Black fairy, a lot of her fear got taken away. It's a stupid concept. <laughs> well, one thing it does tell me fear though, doesn't last forever <laughs> is that this lady Tremaine, the new mayor, sort of of this new storybook, sort of rabbit trail coming in in this way, <laughs> she is not a, a magician of sorts, a sorceress or a witch like Regina was. She oh, didn't. They use... want to paint her as completely different from Regina. Yeah. Well, her her tactic, her weapon was not magic. It's fear. And she is here in Hyperion Heights. She's kind of taking the role of both Regina and Rumpel. Love is weakness. I mean, magic can be taken. <laughs> she, she owns the town and she rules the town. So uh, in, in Storybrooke. Like one street. Well, Did you notice that Ronnie's was like half a block from the police station? Yeah. It's yeah. like Granny's. Dope! <laughs> but she's using. <laughs> I did not even make any kind of connection like that. That's awesome. <laughs> she's using money, right? Like, and and her, you know, tactics are very similar to kind of what's going on with our world right now. 
as far as just developing neighborhoods, being like businesses being bought up because they want to build condos. Like, I don't know if that's what happens in your guy's city, but that's what happens here. And so she's definitely like Regina and Rumpelstiltskin because she's using she's using money. I'm assuming she was going to buy Ronnie's bar. And it is one of those uh, classic stories from, I, I can't think of actual movies that have used this, but I know it's happened a lot where, you know, the developer is the evil character of the yeah. story who wants to build a neighborhood on that land. That was, uh, let's make the Meg Ryan connection again. That was, um, you've got mail. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you've got mail. Uh, also, uh, movies like Avatar, well, not building a neighborhood, but certainly pushing out the indigenous people. And and <laughs> speaking of indigenous people, we're recording this on Columbus Day, which I know there's all kinds of history and, and controversy over that. And indigenous I stayed people off social media all day and you have to bring it up. So, <laughs> so it's Thanksgiving here. <laughs> yeah. So we're just kind of all messed up with holidays and recognition and history and storylines. And who's the villain anyway? Is it the developer or is it is it the people who prevent the developer from bringing in new families and economy? Anyway, like all politics of that aside, Hyperion Heights is very much Storybrook 2.0 in that it's a new town and a new place full of new people. Except I feel a song a coming on. Dump. Well, <laughs> like, yeah. and they have more than one cop for a for a neighborhood worth saving. It sure has absolutely nothing in it. Hmm. Like those streets were just ugly. I didn't understand what was supposed to be happening, except that I could clearly tell long before the first bloom that that garden and the well were the new clock tower. <laughs> I thought it was just the new well. Not yeah, the they got tower. them both in one place. Now you don't have to go traipsing That's out right. into the they, woods. I mean, it's a city. You got to have things close together. It's budget cuts. You got to <laughs> fulfill the role of two people now. <laughs> but the well is CG. Uh, Just kidding. No. Flowers were, but <laughs> uh, so I think the garden will um, will start to bloom. Yeah. Except it hasn't been dead as long as anyone can remember. The cemetery's been missing for as long as that woman can remember. But, you know, in this case, it's probably not Henry who caused the flowers to start blooming. It was Lucy. Right. Whereas in Once Upon a Time, it was Emma's return, not Henry, that caused time to start again. If Henry decides to stay, do you think the cemetery will start to return? (laughs) (laughs) And then all these dead people will come out. They'll be all of our favorite characters from Once Upon a Time. Speaking of favorite characters, some of our favorite characters are our heroes who make every episode of Once Upon a Time, well, for our podcast, that is possible. But they're not, I mean, they're alive. Yes. Well, that's what I'm saying. They're our favorite characters and they are still alive and loving and living and hearts beating. So thanks to in this episode to Lisa Slack, Lisa R., Amy Cavalier, Marianne Lavati, Heather Peckfelder, Jill Sherrod, Greg Shope, and our 23 heroes on Patreon. We couldn't do this podcast without you. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Your support helped carry the podcast and the website over through summer. Despite the fading popularity of the TV show, Because certain things like our database running the website with all of the forums and all of the posts and certain things with the way that uh, Apple has changed things about the way the podcast app works. And we've been tweaking some things. So maybe you noticed if you use Apple Podcasts to subscribe to our podcast, now you see seasons for our episodes and some of that stuff. So 
it's thanks to your support that we've been able to do that over the summer and upgrade some things, enhance some things to make this better. And it's with your support that we're able to continue the podcast. So thank you, Lisa, Lisa, Amy, Marianne, Heather, Jill, Greg, and our other 23 heroes on Patreon. If you want to be a hero too and be one of our favorite people for the podcast, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero and discover how you can support the podcast as well. That's at oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you. And I do really mean this. Thank you for your support. Back to Storybrook 2.0. Something interesting about this, Hyperion Heights. Whenever I hear Hyperion Heights, I think of two things. Well, the word Hyperion. For one, I think of an old cowboy movie called Silverado, which has an awesome soundtrack to it. And the way that it starts off, there's the Hyperion job is some kind of train robbery or something. And so I think that was the first time when I discovered that soundtrack in the 90s, that was the first time I'd ever heard the word Hyperion. And so that's one thing that sticks out to me. The other thing that sticks out to me is the video game, uh, which is a rather violent video game, is uh, Borderlands. There's uh, some city, not city, but there's a company called Hyperion, and it's the company that's taking over everything and it's the big corporation trying to you know kick everybody out of their homes and and open vaults with ancient technology and build condos and some of what i just said is not necessarily true what is happening this sounds like you're making part of this up (laughs) but matthew paul did some research and he said that hyperion heights is named after hyperion avenue where the original walt disney studios was located and where snow white was made disney has used hyperion in a number of their brands before well it goes back further than that doesn't it like the reason that they have used it uh not that i know of okay well maybe we can do more research on that or or you listening to us can (laughs) seriously a lot of what we'll be talking about really depends on the feedback that you send us we're talking long in this episode because there's just so much to talk about with the new show But in the future, we really will depend on your help. So if you can do research, if something stands out to you, don't assume we'll find it because we probably won't. Send us your feedback and you can get the credit for being the super intelligent person, even if you're not one of our heroes. So and we'll yeah, we can bring some of this up in future weeks. Hyperion by itself, not with Hyperion Heights is what has a much deeper meaning, which would be why Disney maybe has used it in things. I think of a book publisher. Yeah. There's a lot of sci-fi and fantasy, that sort of thing. I do kind of wonder if there's a little bit of, yes, I'm going to bring it up, a lost twist to this. I didn't really notice any lost numbers. Oh, I have an Easter egg. The fact that Henry was told to drive to a particular bridge and turn left at the giant troll under the bridge, and that's where Hyperion Heights was. I wonder if that's kind of like in Lost. There was a specific path they were supposed to take and that's how they could get to the island i wonder if hyperion heights is kind of that same thing because storybrook okay storybrook was this town out in the middle of nowhere and yet here hyperion heights is in seattle i'm actually going to be in seattle later this year for my first time visiting seattle but i won't be visiting hyperion heights why not (laughs) reasons i'll be at a podcasting (laughs) conference called podcon if you're interested uh but so i wonder if Maybe like this town, the only way that you can get in is by following that specific path mm. with the weird, creepy-eyed troll under the bridge. I mean, But I don't know how other people could be moving in if that's the case. That's true. Unless they're all told, find the troll under the bridge and turn left. No. It's a bad way to get home. 
Yeah, true. And think about your dinner guests. Mm-hmm. It was also called the Aurora Bridge. Is that an actual bridge or is that a Eastern? Uh, I don't know. There was also the name of the island. And I, I didn't look up all of this. But when I heard Aurora, I thought, oh, Sleeping Beauty. The uh, troll is real. What? Yep. No way. It's called the Fremont Troll. And it's really in Seattle? Yes. And the Aurora Bridge is real, too. And it's near Seattle. West end of Seattle. Yeah. That's cool, then. See, I mean, I think you have to go see it when you're there. So the only CG they did was with that really creepy eye on the troll. Or it's really there. It looks... It looks CG I'm basically live Googling, and it's really there. (laughs) (laughs) The eye is really there. (laughs) Are you sure you're not just finding screenshots from once upon a time? (laughs) I assumed that was somebody's, like, spy post, like Alice, but then she was too fast to get... I kept expecting the eye to blink. (laughs) Yeah. Because the eye looks so computer generated. Like I the want lighting a is selfie all with off. it. Well, <laughs> you know what? Maybe maybe I will uh, see if I can visit that troll bridge since I'll be there in early December. Uh, I might be able to swing by there and get a selfie for you. Maybe uh, Henry will be your Uber selfie. driver. <laughs> will you take a picture no. of me with you and then take a yes. picture of my picture <laughs> sure. with the troll? Sure. Or I'll I'll Photoshop you in. I'll get... I will get who did the Photoshop job on Bell for Rumple in in <laughs> um, the Black Fairy. I will get her <laughs> to do the Photoshop work. Uh-oh. See, Once Upon a Time is so far behind me now. It's all about this new <laughs> spinoff, otherwise known as season seven. <laughs> so bro, that's that's crazy. I I will try seriously. I will. See, I haven't uh, reserved my flight yet. I will then try to get a flight so I have enough time to visit that location. We'll put a link to the information about the troll in the show notes. Doxon just pointed out in the chat room that it mentions what that eye is. It is a Volkswagen Beetle hubcap. What? (laughs) It ate Emma in her Beetle. (laughs) So Emma's inside that troll? Yeah, basically. You know that Seattle's only like a two-hour drive from Storybrooke, right? Do you have a passport? You should add that to your itinerary. I I don't know if my passport's still active. (gasps) passport has to be renewed, and I waited too long. I probably waited way too long. (laughs) Uh, So coming back to Storybrooke (laughs) 2.0, I I think— I mentioned, though, that there was an Easter egg. Yeah? What is it? Henry's laptop has a sticker at the bottom of the screen that says Geronimo Jackson. Which is a fictional band that was throughout Lost. Uh And at times in Lost, there were posters or t-shirts or whatever. And their album art was mostly a scene from Alice in Wonderland. Oh, that's cool. I I did notice, of course, Mr. Cluck's Chicken. Right. Which is from Lost. What was the sticker on the back of Henry's car? Did anyone notice what that was? I saw it, but I couldn't. Oh, that was Swift. That's the Uber like oh, okay. company that they okay. just didn't want to get the rights slash to say Lyft. Lyft I did slash notice Uber. that actually. On a and scene. what occurred to me as I was watching the second time is that it's um, <laughs> and here we come to my symbolic icon so far in this pilot episode of the spinoff season seven. He is driving a VW just like his mom, <laughs> but it is a. Less notable, less iconic VW. Ah, oh, yeah. True. So, in a sense, <laughs> this is 
a, a new generation of Once Upon a Time, perhaps less iconic and less notable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the names. Still a nice car. <laughs> pay attention to all of these names for different people because some of them are funny. Like Hook is named Sheriff Rogers, the Jolly Roger. Oh, oh. my goodness. And Rumpelstiltskin is named Weaver. You know, the. Well, see, I thought that was a thing. And then I realized I don't know why that's funny, actually. Well, like he, a weaver, like a sewer. But he didn't. And Rumpelstiltskin anything, did he? was a spinster. He was not a spinster. So it's the kind of related. <laughs> he was a spinner. <laughs> they're, they're, so a spinner and well, he he spun straw into gold. He weaved straw. He, he wove it into um into rope at some point. Yeah. So he always was making those cuffs, those stupid cuffs for for being a creepy husband and tracking his wife. <laughs> yeah. And, and so pay attention to the different names. Now, names like Ronnie means son, happy son. So I don't know why Regina has that as her name. There's and, a song in her heart. We're getting another musical episode, you guys. <laughs> you heard it here first. And and uh, Victoria, well, probably people think of Victorian era or... Um, Queen Victoria, but the word Victoria is uh, from the same Latin root for, or it's related to Latin for the word victory or victorious. Oh. All and, I can think of are bats in your belfry. <laughs> <laughs> or there's a great podcast called Bells in the Bat Free. And that's where I kind of think of. It's a fun podcast. Seriously, go listen to it. Seriously, you guys. Yeah. So and pay Luke- attention to these different names that we get from people. Like we haven't heard, I don't think we've heard yet Alice's name. I mean, it's Alice. Uh, maybe we did here. I can't remember. Um, and, and then, like anyone's name, just pay attention to it because there will be probably some hidden meaning to it in some way. Although, like Cinderella's name here is Drizella. No, what was it? I thought it was Drizella. I knew until it you sounds said it. like Drizella. No. Isn't it just Cind? That's her sister. Jacinda? Jacinda. J- Jacinda. Yes, that's right. Which it's sound- in your notes. It's yeah, which sounds like <laughs> Drizella. Anyway, these are some of the, the same names. So Drizella's her sister. Victoria. Well, the Cinda is the same, right? Jacinda. Cinda. Cinderella. Cinders. Cinder- yeah, yeah. That's, <gasps> it was derived from Cinders. I'm losing my she- edge, you guys. <laughs> and with Victoria being named Victoria, well, I'm guessing that maybe that's her name from... The new Enchanted Forest as well. Well, that's what Regina did. Or maybe she gave herself that name because she considers that she's victorious. She defeated everybody. Hurrah. Let's build a condo. While we're talking about her. We're going to bulldoze it, pave it, build a condo. (laughs) Her daughter, Drizella, is she in their memories, their cursed memories, is she her daughter? Or did she just make her daughter just her assistant? Does she only have one daughter in the new No, realm? she she has two daughters because she did say Other when daughter she killed, was in reference to not Cinderella. Right. She said my younger daughter. Okay. 
Well, so, I could be wrong. But See, we haven't met her yet. This is the, what I'm yeah. saying about the pacing and the timing and the dialogue. There were so many weird little confusing things yeah. that didn't make sense with the with the times that people entered and exited and the way people were referred to by others. It just I just left scratching my head, but not for the right reasons. When she did say, I have three assistants and none of them know where my granddaughter is. Right. And yeah, so that's so, why I was asking if they were if she had two daughters, because I don't recall in the flashback mention of another daughter. I'm pretty sure but, there was. I think the way it went was she said the prince turned down her daughter. Oh, wait, no, the younger, younger brother, brother has taken a yes. fancy to her. So it's referring to the same daughter. I think she just has Drizella and Cinderella. But then she has three assistants. So what? So maybe that third is the other <laughs> sister. Well, Jacinda's not one of her assistants either. So unless like the, she wiped, she did some kind of curse, so everyone forgot that the third sister existed. Oh wait, that was done before. But that doesn't mean they couldn't do it again. <laughs> well, anyway, the only thing I was asking was, did she sort of half disown even her biological daughter by just making her an assistant in her company rather than her daughter, or does she just treat her that way? Because. Because she met her at the yeah. elevator with her coffee and there was no familial connection at all. Right. Although she is the only one who's allowed to look Victoria in the eye. Well, yeah, that's somewhat necessary sometimes. I see. And even that, I felt like we were supposed to be surprised, but it came too fast. Hmm. We saw maybe 30 seconds of Drizella as her assistant before suddenly we were seeing her as her daughter. Instead of like a few scenes or maybe in the next episode, we finally get a flashback when we're like, oh, it's her daughter. Like how long it was before we were most of the way through episode two in season one before we figured out that Henry Sr. was not just the evil queen's servant. Yeah. When she finally called him daddy just offhand, we're like, what? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's true. I forgot that. I was going to say maybe her second daughter, because Cinderella always has two evil stepsisters, is Anastasia, and she's in Wonderland with, but then it doesn't work. <laughs> because <laughs> right. Is there more than one Wonderland? Well, there's more than one Alice. And Alice. Is there? And well, other places. <laughs> oh, no. That's right. That means, that means... There there have to be multiple Wonderlands now because there are multiple Alices and they are clearly different Alices. It's not just a recasting thing. But they've but not- also dissed the entire fan base by saying we can recast Alice. Nobody watched the spinoff. <laughs> but so they recasted a lot. They literally people. said that in an interview. So Oh. Oh. Oh, <laughs> come on, guys. Why so did- that's why I say we don't really know if this is an alternate Alice or they're just like, what? We didn't do, we haven't done Alice before. What are you talking about? Hmm. It would have been nice if they asked the other actress first. It would have been nice for the people who did watch the spinoff. Well, they clearly wanted to go a different direction with her anyway. Yeah. I, I'm i not saying that the other, that Sophie Lowe couldn't have done this version of Alice, but it would have been weird. It would have right. been weirder. Yes, that's true. To see her suddenly act different. I think that this actress they got to play, this Alice, it's plays good. that part very well. I might be more yeah. excited about her than anybody else, to be honest. <laughs> she she seems... 
I mean, her connection, and we'll talk about Alice in a little bit. So let's see. <laughs> Once again, if nothing else, this show has accomplished. We are talking way longer than I thought we were going to about this episode. <laughs> oh, I figured we'd talk at least an hour and a half for this episode. Future episodes, we might not have as much to say. But um, so, uh, the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible. Did that sound familiar to you? I liked it. I don't know if it was familiar, but I liked it. That whole monologue scene was very familiar. Yeah. Well, season one, Snow White said something about the first step to something or other is admitting that a happy ending is possible or something like that. She said, any, I'm sorry, I can't actually get the clip for it at this moment, but it was similar enough that I thought, oh, it's kind of like... Believing in the, even the possibility of yes, a happy ending yes. is a powerful thing. Yes. So there's some similarity. But what it makes me think is, well, the main theme of Once Upon a Time was hope. The main theme now of the spinoff is a spinoff of my favorite song from the musical, A Happy Beginning. So this is now, now that Once Upon a Time has ended and we're getting a spinoff, this is now about something (laughs) completely different. This isn't about hope. This is about a new beginning. And I think that... So as silly as what my little monologue just was, my main point, my legitimate point here is I think that this spinoff will be about a new beginning, not as much about hope. So I don't think we can assume that everything is going to have some connection back to hope. It'll have a connection to new, a new beginning, which in many ways you could say is kind of the same thing anyway. Yeah. It's like an alternate reality of the same thing. <laughs> just like the show. Wow. <laughs> wow. So how about that, Alice? Are we there yet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Alice 2.0. So I was ticked off until the line. (laughs) Which line? You know which one. No, actually I don't. And other places. Oh, yeah, that line. (laughs) I mean, that I did a... 180 on my opinion of a new Alice at the moment she said that. Well, I thought it was <laughs> a great point, though. One weird trip, and it's all anyone knows about you. And tell me they didn't write that line tongue in cheek. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think she recognizes Henry in Hyperion Heights? No. Wait, maybe. Because she did that creepy thing. I mean, she's always creepy, though. Well, yeah. So far. I mean, the first way I wrote her down, because I didn't know who, what characters, other than Cinderella. Cinderella was the only character I knew would be in this episode uh, before seeing the episode. I didn't know who she was. So the first time I mentioned her in my notes, I wrote down Creeper Girl. Yeah, I didn't know who she was either. <laughs> but she, yeah, she went to Reaver slash Rumpelstiltskin slash Gangster Stiltskin. We'll get more into that later. But she, she told Rumple about someone new in town. So certainly there was that. But it also seemed like she recognized him. So if Rumple is awake, maybe she's awake because maybe she's doing Rumple's biddings. Well, and she was in the past as far as what she said, right? Was that his grandfather, she mentioned Rumpelstiltskin when Henry was when she gave him the drink in the past and he was 
passed out or what in that alternate sunk into the basement. I don't really know what happened there. <laughs> right. She mentioned that yeah. Rumpelstiltskin was involved. Right. Hey, they did cut part of that out. What'd she do? Pick him up and carry him out? Uh, apparently, or maybe the drink was some kind of psychotropic drug or something that everything he imagined, because remember she said, what vines or what chains or whatever she said. And they were just suddenly no longer attached to him, which kind of makes it seem like certain things weren't quite real or at least not quite what they seemed on a journey down the rabbit hole, mm. so to speak. Weird trip. And yeah, he made his way back <laughs> to the castle pretty quickly. Oh, right. so maybe it, it might have been all in his head, like a hallucinogenic drug. Yeah. Or, or that maybe is Wonderlandy. Maybe they went all Night Rider the next generation on it and had people travel incredibly long distances oh, in incredibly short amounts of time. They did do that. Cinderella stole his motorcycle and he got there before her with a change of clothes. Yeah. The, the clothes horse. horse. <laughs> I know. I almost said it with you. <laughs> Except I was trying to figure out if the clothes horse could also run really fast, like faster than a motorcycle. And the speedy clothes horse could. The thing I wanted to say about Alice was that... I think they did a really good job casting her and even the and other places is still very much like the Alice that we know from Once Wonderland. Even in the pilot, the doctor saying to her, the two of you traveled from world to world, fighting pirates and swimming with mermaids, which is not anything that we saw in that chapter. And then I also wanted to mention that in the sci-fi version of Alice, there's lots of Alice's that go to Wonderland because they're trying to recruit, like they're trying to find a specific Alice. So there could always be a spin like that and have it still be Wonderland, not alternate reality Wonderland. Huh. <laughs> Yowza. So Alice is an android or a clone. <laughs> and it's Attack of the Clones. Alice of the Clones unidentical clones or just because of the story wonderland attracts people named alice and well, that's <laughs> why they go she needs to be careful with this whole wonderland story thing because when it's not your story bad things happen yeah henry you're not in any of the books because you're emma's son and you were a part <laughs> of that story you are in that book you had a story why did you go running off Why'd you do it? So here's the thing. If <laughs> we're in present day and Henry made a choice of his free will to go out and find himself, he's not doing... Ew, he's that not, is what he's doing, isn't it? He's not like infringing on somebody else's story. That's just what the story becomes if he goes into it because that's how the world works. Yeah, but what world? <laughs> but he he <laughs> is infringing on someone else's story, not in the manipulative way like Rumple or Isaac, the author, did. Which Rumple? The the original Rumple. Okay. Not not Gangster Stiltskin. <laughs> but yeah, he did interfere because he stopped Cinderella from going to the ball and killing the prince. But if that story hasn't happened yet, which it hadn't, then he's not changing anything it's not like they're in a past dimension when emma scared somebody and then her parents never met <laughs> this this hasn't happened yet so yeah, it doesn't but, have a destiny or whatever well, he knew how the story ended but he knew one version of the story so it, it, it gets complicated 
And my it's, brain starts to hurt. It's weird is what it is. So um, Alice knows Rumple, mm-hmm. knew Rumple in the past. So apparently he told Alice who Henry is. Yeah. And he told Alice that this isn't Henry's story. So here's where I actually do have a little theorizing and I don't even like where it goes. <laughs> With part of this having the caveat that we don't know if this is, this is Alice. What Alice? What other Alice could there be? Or if this is a new Alice. We do know that they're in a new realm with a new Cinderella and that it's not Henry's story, which means it's not where he came from or not where he belongs, whatever. But Rumpel's there? Is it then? So, and that this is where the curse was cast because that Cinderella is the one in Hyperion Heights and that Alice and Henry so, what about the other people there? Were there other copies, oddly more identical to the ones we know than Cinderella is? But is there a different Rumpelstiltskin who, because of who he is, still just kind of knows these things? And then maybe, maybe Ronnie isn't our Regina or Rhonda or anybody. And maybe, maybe no, Rogers I... isn't. No, 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 no. I really don't think, for our main characters, mm-hmm. I don't think these are alternate versions of so them. What was Rumpelstiltskin doing there? Oh, this is why, I forgot, this is why I started thinking this. Since when, I mean, he kind of goes by Rumpelstiltskin, but he's kind of more on the Mr. Gold side in this time period because mm-hmm. Henry's older. So he hasn't really been like full-on Rumpelstiltskin in a long time. So what would he be doing talking to Alice and being known as Rumpelstiltskin? Enough time has passed that they could explain that somehow if they choose to. I hope so. (laughs) And all of the characters, when they went to the Enchanted Forest, even in present day, they went by their Enchanted Forest names. Except Snow. No, she even went by Snow White in the Enchanted Forest. (laughs) Yeah, 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 true. And, And I think some other characters did as well. So I think... It's sort of a when in Rome, call myself a Roman sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I can see it. I hope that's the case because like I've made abundantly clear, I don't want multiple copies of them. I'm just afraid that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But it could also be that if Henry was had long ago found a way to go back home regularly and he didn't show up, that they could have, you know, used any number of combinations of squid ink and whatnot to get to wherever it is that he was and so they could have come to this realm and then been affected by the curse just like aaron was saying yeah and that whole portal opening at exactly midnight or a minute after sort of thing that's that needs something interesting which I'm not sure if they will explain because that's your only being to oh yeah, yeah the portal opens Maybe not every day, because I don't know why he, it would be so urgent, but it must open with some regularity. Maybe. Or maybe he'd been waiting for years and knew this was his one and only chance, and the next time it'll happen is the next time there's a solar eclipse, a total solar eclipse of the heart. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so he was there prepared with his official eclipse sunglasses to walk through the portal. I liked when he, this is kind of off topic, but kind of not, when he walked into Ronnie's and said, what if I came in here and told you that I was your son? Yes. that I, I wanted to bring that up. Go ahead. That, to me, like indicates 
like for us, it's a ha ha because we know that he is her son. But, you know, also he could go in there and say, I'm your son. And it would be true. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's what to me confirms that the characters we see we're familiar with are the same people. That is the same Regina. That is the same hook. That is the same rumble. Now, character development, curses and everything uh, taking their toll and affecting their memories and who they are today. But I think they are the same people because why else would they say something about his being her son? We still have a major problem. They haven't aged, but Henry has. And it's sort of like they're not that much older than Henry and Jacinda. and. They're all in the same curse. Yeah. So even if they're frozen and there's no indication that time freezing is a part of this curse anyway, what's the deal with that? True. I could understand Regina and Rumpel not aging because they have magic. Eh, But Hook not aging. That's the one I can't understand. Unless like he spent so much time in Neverland that he still has essence of Neverland on him that hasn't worn off yet. And that's why he hasn't aged. They've said weirder things. <laughs> like, I would buy that faster than a lot of things that have actually come up on the show. Oh, residual effects of Neverland. Quite a perk. And, like, that's all you have to say. And I buy it. And that is another reason why they did not need Jared Gilmore. If they were seriously not going to age the other three actors, it would be more believable if... You mean they didn't need Andrew West? <laughs> no, well, I mean Jared Gilmore. Yeah. Didn't need... Yeah, like I said oh. at the beginning, they didn't need him for the flashback. Once you're 18, oh, you pretty I much see. look how you're going to look. Yeah, right. Until you get gray hair. And then you're an 18-year-old looking person with gray hair and wrinkles. Like, you don't age <laughs> You don't age that much. Like, when they went back and we saw Emma at that age, when she had Henry, it was Jennifer Morrison. It wasn't the little kid that played her when she was 10, because that wouldn't make sense. <laughs> Yeah. You are painting, like, multiple funny mental images. <laughs> but, yes. Yes, I see. I thought something very similar. It's like, oh, sure. We don't replace Henry with an older version until he's pretty much at an age where we can kind of get what he's going to be like when he is that age. <laughs> so, Gangster Stiltskin, do you think he is awake? I didn't get gangster out of that at all. Oh, well, he was there holding a guy under the water. That's just... And... Like, if it were a CBS drama, that would just be your partner standing there going, You can't do this, Weaver! You're gonna... You can't! You gotta let him go, man! And... No, and... I don't know. Well, just lots of music and lots of cheesy dialogue. I was trying to see in the rewatch if the person he was holding, it looks like he had a holster. And I was like, is he, like, torturing another cop? And that's that why about pizza money from last Friday, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the guy needs to stop not paying back. Yeah, they don't have peer-to-peer or friend-to-friend Apple Pay payments on their iOS versions yet. <laughs> well, not in Hyperion Heights anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, Victoria, I'm pretty certain Victoria, like when we're looking at the villains, uh, Victoria's villain, Rumpel, I don't know. But Victoria, I'm pretty sure she's awake. She knows what's going on. And because when Henry mentioned uh, something about, I don't know, the whole Cinderella thing, 
Victoria had this look of recognition, and it seems like that's when she was like, okay, this guy's got to go. See, now that, to their credit, that was similar to some things in season one, because that was sort of like, that could have been recognition, but she also should know who he is, so she should have had her red flags up anyway. That's true. And so that could have been recognition that more has been said than she even thought, or it could have been just like, wait a second, Cinderella, rude. <laughs> I am her stepmother. Who are you again? Why are you talking to me like this? Get out. It, it could be that maybe whatever curse that she cast, she didn't know it would hit him. Maybe he's been like this faceless enemy to her in some way or this shadow lurking in the darkness that's been countering her evil plans to take over and build a condo i feel like she might i don't know if this is going to be a popular opinion but she it seems like she might not be behind the curse it also seems like she might be but the the craziness that was happening in the finale of season six that seems like an awful lot of intense stuff for like um an angry evil stepmother wasn't there fires and people were fleeing and everyone was screaming and that's yeah. when Henry told Lucy to to get out with the book like that seems did like he actually say pretty... they found us I think so because that's the thing that had me thinking it was more than just a curse cloud yeah which to me and hoping it was dragons I would then believe that Rumple would be more likely to be awake just because he's the dark one and would have that knowledge but he wasn't even awake in the first curse until he heard emma's name so maybe rumple is going to meet henry and he's going to be like henry what a lovely name <laughs> well i thought <laughs> that day. He, henry. he did look at hook with way more recognition than victoria did at the mention of cinderella yeah but then again hook might have had some recognition looking at rumple like, is Hook awake now? I think if Hook is awake, I think the storybook woke him up. I don't think he is. I don't think he's awake. I think he just didn't Snow see a picture of her and David in the original storybook back in season one. And it kind of, like it started something in her, but it didn't wake her up. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And maybe that picture of Emma, like it's reminding me of when for like two seconds they had the Knave of Hearts back from Once Wonderland in into Once Proper, and they found him with a picture of the Red Queen. Like, he didn't seem to remember her, but perhaps he remembered something. I, hmm, I never oh. I don't remember him not remembering her. I don't know. The, the look, especially when he was in that street at night, and he looked at the book again, and he was looking at Emma's picture, it really looked like the look of pain, of missing someone, mm-hmm. not like, oh, who is this beautiful woman in this storybook? I must know her. No, it, and the way that he looked at the book in the first place, it seemed like more than recognition. So maybe he woke up, but there was no rainbows, uh, you know, circles that came out of the book when he touched it or anything like that. No sound effects, no mystical wind blowing his hair or anything like that to indicate that any (laughs) kind of curse was broken or that he was woken up. Right. Well, yeah, I think that'd be too easy. Wouldn't there be pictures of him in that book then too? And of Regina and of Rumpelstiltskin. That was a pretty good picture of Emma. 
Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, the the text on the opposite page, you can't quite tell what it is, but it's definitely not uh, Snow White and Red yeah. and Ruby Red. And it's also not the Golden Bird. It's actually text that mentions Emma. Yeah. It looks like it could just be text from one a former episode. And it that, wasn't just Emma, 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 Emma in yeah. Squid Ink. <laughs> yeah. The spells were in the book. <laughs> it's going to turn out that whole book was written in Squid Ink. It's the solution to the whole thing. So coming back to Gangster Stiltskin, is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? That's yes. what I'm wondering. Yeah. Get, look who we're talking about. Okay. Well, here's what I'm thinking. We ended Once Upon a Time with his being a good guy. He finally, you know, when good and evil did the right thing, the final battle was won. I mean, is killing your evil mother a heroic thing? Is, is that okay? That is that aside. Good. <laughs> he ended with the good guys. He was there at the the last supper. Oh, I forgot. And oh, you know, and the... all of that. So, I think he ended being a good guy. Now here in Hyperion Heights, I'm thinking he's a double agent. So he is a gangster. As well as being a detective, because he's wearing plain clothes, so well, he's his, an undercover uh, detective. Yeah, but if you're undercover, you can't just keep going to the police station and getting a partner. That's true. <laughs> I think it's interesting that we're still, like, is he good or is he evil? When, well, first of all, it's Rumpelstiltskin, and he's never one or the other for very long. But kind of, no, no one seems to be, right? Like... The the ethics and morality of the show have shifted so many times back and forth. Is this a good person? Is this an evil person? And we've kind of just realized that they're all a little just misguided sometimes. <laughs> Except him. He's probably the most evil. Speaking of the ethics of the show, I don't know if I liked <laughs> this or hated this. But when Henry was trying to talk Cinderella out of killing the prince, which is an amazing sentence I never thought I'd say, I... <laughs> <laughs> did you notice he didn't say heroes don't kill he said you'll kill him and then they'll kill you and that's not a happy ending <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which by the way yeah that's exactly what should have happened but there was nobody around so by the way chat room caught that uh, the text on that page was from the episode firebird so cool but awesome. as as they pointed out it is still related to a bird <laughs> It's not that far from the golden bird of being on the pages yet again. I, I think he's awake. He's a double agent. We're going to find out that he is trying to defeat uh, Victoria. And that the whole thing that happened in the new realm with Henry is that he was trying to protect Henry, truly trying to protect him. Now, this alternate Alice... I don't know which side she's on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she well, definitely works for Rumpel, though, apparently, yeah. in any world. Yeah. If she works for Rumpel, then if he's good, then she should be good. Unless she's working for the the double agent Rumpel, the, the gangster Stiltskin Rumpel. And yeah. so she is in this game as well. Well, and a lot of... well. She she approached as an outsider. She talked to the man at the door and needed to see Weaver. Oh, that's true. She wasn't true. like an insider who can just walk in anytime. And... Or she's a low-ranking 
insider. She's an informant. Yeah. She's a rogue, like I said. Oh. <laughs> uh, she um, is an aspiring. Um, <laughs> what do you call a person who does parkour? <laughs> a free runner. <laughs> She's like, I can jump from this thing to this thing and then to the ground. I am. I do parkour. <laughs> Therefore, rogue. No, she wanted to deliver a message of warning to Henry in the flashbacks, but because Rumpel asked her to, apparently, and she didn't really care necessarily herself what happened to Henry. She was just going to be far, far away when bad things happened. Mm-hmm. Probably she'd, you know, jump onto something to get away. Do they have dumpsters in the new Enchanted Forest? Oh, I'm sure they do. <laughs> do you think she knows about, like, firsthand about how bad things happen when you're in someone else's story? Because if she's been to other places, that means she's been in someone else's story, too. Maybe. Since, really, we only know Alice from Wonderland and fictional London. Mm. They overcomplicate things. Nobody us... in season one was worried about whose story they were in. They were just living life because they were real people about whom stories would be told later. It's kind of like the complexities of when you allow a shapeshifter onto the show. Now they've allowed story shifters <laughs> or story yes. sliders. Yes. And people thought time travel would have been a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. And we have this alternate reality Cinderella, too. An Operation Glass Slipper, or at least Operation Glass Slipper is what happens in the new realm, in the new Enchanted Forest. In Hyperion Heights, that doesn't have an Operation name. Because as far as we know, Henry doesn't want to get involved, right? Correct. He just wants to go back and write his book. But he's going to get pulled back in, like the Mafia. They'll find some way to pull him back in. Yeah, And that, I guess, is kind of where the episode left us. It was like, well, they had a weird day. And Henry wrote a really obvious beginning line that probably no modern author should use unless they're writing a show called Once Upon a Time. And Jacinda went back to her job, which I'm proud of her for, (laughs) because she does need it until she has a different one. And what else is happening? I guess some flowers grew. And Gina's fighting back. Yeah. And that and that really was the best part of the episode. <laughs> like just listening to Lana Perea talk was like and delivering hope. Although it was funny because they did the whole montage and she's saying all these wonderful things. And then they get back and you see inside the bar again and she's just talking to Victoria. And I was like, Pearls before swine. You're wasting all these words on just her. Everybody else needs to hear it. They're out there living it, and you're just talking to her. <laughs> you know, a, a little thing that I'm surprised you didn't bring up, but the way that Lana Puria is playing Ronnie in this, the look that she was giving to uh, Victoria when Victoria walked in earlier, uh, not the, at the contract signing time, but the earlier time, she looked so much like the character she played in Lost. Like more than she's ever looked in Once Upon a Time because she had that same kind of attitude in her eye, the same kind of defiance that Hmm. Regina as a character in Once Upon a Time has not really had that defiance. She's had different characteristics and now she has defiance. Well, she's carrying herself very differently, which is Mm -hmm. just 
And it's, but it's subtle. It's not overdone because she's a good actress. Yeah. So now that you mention it, yeah, she's way more casual with her body language and, and a little more, a little less refined, I guess, intentionally. But I, I didn't notice that as much as I was busy thinking. She's literally sitting back and watching another actress fill the role that she had starting out season one. So that's what that feels like. (laughs) (laughs) So I was very happy that she sort of turned around and got the upper hand, even though she doesn't remember who she is. It was like there was still character development that was coming through since Mm. they've developed her character better than others. (laughs) So here's my closing question. Who has to kiss whom in order to break this curse? <laughs> I think there's maybe a bunch of loopholes or what are they? Fail safes? What, what, no, we, we'll call them lip holes because a curse <laughs> has to be. Just not do that? <laughs> All true love's kiss can break any curse. Yeah. So it's probably, I would guess, in, in this case, since true love's kiss, if that's even a thing in this spinoff, because they haven't mentioned it yet. They haven't mentioned anything about true love yet. Henry uh, and Jacinda have to kiss Lucy on either cheek at the exact same moment <laughs> while she... holding her over the well. Yes. And shaking all the loose change from her pockets and with their other hand flinging seeds into the garden. It's just a very, very complex little curse breaking ritual of true love. Yeah. But in all of this, the one other thing that I wanted to point out is hook doesn't have a hook he has a hand with a glove on it that's so weird so at some point i kind of wonder if he isn't awake yet is he going to wake up and then look down and suddenly realize i have a hook and like all this time it's been some kind of um you know perception filter over his hand or over his hook and it's actually a hand under there or maybe it was something that happened in the past that at some point, Emma used her magic to give him a hand back. And now that, you know, they have their happy beginning. They were just doing some yard work. And he said, could you give me a hand? And she just <laughs> accidentally took it too literal. She hadn't had her coffee yet. And Sure. Here you go. <gasps> but then why does he have a glove on that hand? Well, yeah, that's the, the strange thing. Because it's someone else's hand. <laughs> or, or maybe... It's the whole uh, Luke Skywalker thing, and it's actually, you know, an android hand. Well, you heard it here first. He definitely moved a single finger on that gloved hand in this episode, because I was wondering if it was a prosthetic. Yeah, I thought that too. So if it is in the future a prosthetic, it wasn't in this episode, because he moved a single finger. And as far as I know, that's not really how those work. Yeah, and even they showed his hand up close when he was holding the book there near the bridge and his fingers were wrapped around the spine of the book. So right. it is a functioning hand. And, you know, the, the Android arms can get pretty advanced these days. Gross. Doxon suggested it's one of Emma's hands. <laughs> <laughs> Emma wore uh, Graham's shoelace around her wrist. So maybe... Hook kept Emma's hand. <laughs> May I take your hand in marriage? Sure. <laughs> Here. And Weaver has no limp, correct? Correct. Did yeah, we well, even see him enough to know? He stepped out of the... He doesn't have a cane, at least. We've seen that. He does not have a cane. Interesting. This curse is some weak sauce. <laughs> I don't... I didn't get a lot of personality out of most of them. Which is maybe good, because I would have hated it if they all got, like, the lacy treatment. 
Yeah. But, yeah, it was strange. I think we got... I think they should have made Colin O'Donohue talk with with an American accent for the whole season. I think that would have been fantastic. (laughs) A Brooklyn accent, (laughs) even though he's in Seattle. Yep. I don't know what Seattle accents sound like. I mean, kind of, probably like me. Oh. (laughs) So they should have cast Jeremy to play one of the roles. Sure. So... There's, I know there's street rat number two. <laughs> there's probably Seattle. more that we could discuss. There is more that we could have discussed about this episode. Surprisingly, and we were already quite in depth, uh, even though our new take is to not necessarily be as in depth. But we do <laughs> want your, me. <laughs> we do want your feedback for future episodes. You can continue the conversation about Hyperion Heights, this episode of Once Upon a Time spinoff otherwise known as season seven. You can continue that in the comments and share this episode out by going to oncepodcast.com slash 305. We also still have our forums over there at oncepodcast.com slash forums. And that link is in the show notes as well. Continue the conversation there. Talk about your theories, share them, and email us your observations on the next episode of Once Upon a Time spinoff. And let us know what you observe. If you're able to get sound clips, send those to us. If you can get screenshots that are of interest to you, if you do some research on something, please send it to us. Going forward, a lot of our conversation will be uh, influenced by the feedback that we receive. So if you send us feedback on something that seems like a good point to talk about, we might end up talking about it. Although our future episodes will be shorter, so we'll need to be a little bit more time conscious on what kinds of themes stand out to us that we'll be able to discuss or have much to discuss since we're doing this new hybrid of formats. Hybrid. So also let Hyperion us know. Hyperion hybrid. Oh, yeah. Let us know what you thought about our Hyperion hybrid episode. And if you like this new format that we're doing, although this episode is not necessarily the best <laughs> example of it because it's this was a season premiere. It's super detailed. Yeah. And I, I've just decided that a lot of my favorite shows Unlike Once Upon a Time, I've actually had really weak first seasons. And this is the first season of a spinoff. That's true. So they've got nowhere to go but up, (laughs) he said with hope. (laughs) Yeah. So please connect with us in the meantime on Twitter at Once Podcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleagon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. No, the in the front of it. I'm Aaron on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. This podcast would not be possible without our great team of volunteers. So thanks to Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episodes, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing our spoilers, which, by the way, let me take this moment to tell you what we're going to be doing there. The spoilers will be a spinoff, too. So the spoilers are not coming at the end of this episode. You'll hear the spoilers in a second episode a little bit later in the week, but before the next episode of Once Upon a Time airs. So that way, if you don't want to be spoiled at all, you could just delete that episode or you could wait to listen to it until the next episode airs. It's it's up to you how you want to listen to that episode or download it, but that will be a separate episode. It will be clearly marked spoilers, so you'll know that going forward, at least until a hiatus when you see spoilers, it's only spoilers in that episode. And uh, Hunter and Jacqueline will be hosting that. So thanks to them for providing those spoilers. Thanks also to Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Keb for masterminding the timeline, and thanks to my current co-host, and I don't know how long they'll be able to stay current because of crazy <laughs> schedules and stuff. Thanks to Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline for hosting this podcast. And until next time, poetic closing line goes here. And thanks for listening. (laughs) 
Once podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you want to be one of those amazing heroes too, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support.